Well, we're back with another episode of the Eat Scripture podcast and our series in the books of Kings. Yes. And um, so this is Eric and Gina Robinson. Mm-hmm. We are um, just working our way through these books. Here. And having an exciting time, yeah. I've got to say. These are great stories that we're in because we're right in the middle of Elijah and Elisha saga. And so we're going to continue today down that same road. We're in chapter 4, toward the end of chapter 4 of 2 Kings, starting in verse 38. We're just going to go to the end of the chapter today. But yeah. just these Short two section. little pieces have a ton of things in them, I think, for us to really mm-hmm. kind of look at, little details that you might otherwise read over that you don't realize, oh, wait, this does sound like something else I've heard before. And I think part of what's interesting is that they seem like odd little stories mm-hmm. yeah that like why do we need to know this right if you and just so, want to sit them on their own yeah. they do seem kind of like that yeah right. i mean okay they happen but it's so little, little <laughs> miracles that elisha is doing mm-hmm. um, that actually have major import right or yeah. i think connect to the past and the future the future right so and there and therein lies the key i mean because if you're just reading the scriptures just one word after another, one paragraph after another, you might, you're just going to miss some of the greatness or so much of the great, not just some, I mean, it's like this unbelievable amount of greatness that comes from seeing the interconnections that God is trying to make mm-hmm. through those words. That he's and it makes it chosen. so much more meaningful Yeah. Uh, for, for that day, for mm-hmm. the day the author was writing about, but mm-hmm. also for our day much more it yeah just, it's really uh, meaningful all of a sudden it becomes meaningful for right. our day which I think you'll see as we go into this you'll you'll get what we're talking about yes so. I think so too um, so let's start then um, I think we're good to start with no, mm-hmm. no need to uh, spend a whole lot of time here on introduction so let's go ahead and start our reading in 2nd Kings yeah we had just four. finished I guess real quick we had just finished this story about Elisha raising the Shunammite son mm-hmm. from the dead. Yes. And it just kind of leaves us there. The last sentence was, then she picked up her son and went out. Yeah. And then we'll go right into what we're about to read. Yeah, which seems like a very yeah. disconnected. It's jarring. So, yeah, it's kind of jarring almost how quickly it moves. But, um, and you had said this before, that this is kind of an episodic story, uh, the way Elisha and Elijah's story is told. Very right. episodic sounding, just this happened and then this happened and then this happened. There seems happened. to be no connection between the stories. Like, yeah, maybe even more so with Elisha right. and Elijah. And so, yeah, just where's the connections? What am I supposed to get from all this? But I do think they're saying something as a whole. We'll start in chapter uh, four and read verse 38 and following just a uh, 38 through 41 to begin. Okay. And Elisha came again to Gilgal when there was a famine in the land. And as the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, he said to his servant, set on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. One of them went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered from it his lap full of wild gourds and came and cut them up into the pot of stew, not knowing what they were. And they poured out some for the men to eat. But while they were eating of the stew, they cried out, O man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. 
He said, Then bring flour. And they threw it into the pot and said, Pour some out for the men, that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. This story, again, like you just said, jarring because we come to it right after we've been talking about this boy raised from the dead, and then we just stop that story and immediately go into this one. And this one doesn't sound, I mean, it sounds potentially bad, maybe not as bad, I don't know, as a dead son, <laughs> but nobody's dead here yet, it seems like, but they are aware that something bad is happening and they might die, it seems to be the case. Um, although not even all scholars agree on that. Maybe it's just a really bad tasting stew. Right. so inedible. Um, maybe, I think, um, of course, I, I would say, I think there's a reason that it says there's death in the pot. I think it's probably is very serious. Yeah. But I think partly it tells us that because it's connecting all of the stories in this chapter. Yes. That Israel is dead. I think we need to see that for and sure. And so what he's doing in all of these stories is bringing life out of death. Yes. Israel is a carcass and yeah. he's bringing life. I, I, Man, I think you're on to something for sure. This idea of death that has infused Israel. And we must remember that we are in a segment of scripture here where God has already condemned the dynasty that's on the throne right now. Right. We know it can't last past this current generation that Elisha is talking to. He's in yes. the last generation of this dynasty. Jehoram, who is on the throne, will be the last king of this dynasty. And, and, and he knows it. And they know it. They've already, it's been predicted. It's this is set. I'm sure they're God's trying setting. to ignore it and thinking, oh, it won't really happen. Surely but... God will relent from that. That will happen. Yes, exactly. I think you're right. But um, but Elisha knows it's definitely going to happen. But he works inside that context of a dead So it's like dead kingship. man walking. Yeah, dead man walking. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody knows it. He's dead. Or might as well be dead already. This guy's be dead already. Um, it's like a lame duck. We would call it, you know, in our modern America, we talk about lame duck presidents. Right. Once you know you're out, exactly. you're out. And and, uh, and you still have some days that you work, but you know you're out. Uh, and so here we have very much a lame duck dynasty. This is, they're dying off. Right. They're not going to last. Um, and so, like and you just said. In the said, midst of that. There's death all around you. Yes. The death of death of a nation, death of a dynasty, as it were, is about to happen. But in the midst of that, you're saying, Elisha is bringing these moments of life, proving that he still and, can provide life. That there's life think, God wants um, to use him to provide life, fostering the little bit, the the little fires, the little sparks that are there in yes. this, this remnant of people. Yes, and. Um, so I think this whole chapter, we're seeing that probably beyond that, but I, we've just been in this chapter right? and these stories that seem unconnected and yet they are connected. still very connected. So I think that's, uh, it's apropos that he would say that they would say death in the pot. There's death in the pot. That's right. So when we start in verse 38 and tells us immediately that there's a famine going on, we're like, mm -hmm. oh, oh yeah. we should think, oh, Through there's all a these food stories. issue. Yeah. Yeah, there's a food issue in Israel, and there has been in Elijah's time, and then there was a brief break of some kind, and now there's a return of famine again. But during this time of famine, um, where and in the first time of famine, God provided for the widow who provided a place for Elijah. Right. She got to live um, on 
flour meal that she had a little bit of that was provided to her. Um, and they, she and her household lived together. And it was like manna. It was That's right. a it was like day this daily by day provision. Yep. Just enough for each new day. That pot never quite emptied out and they were able to keep going. And so here um, we're in a time of famine again. And those who are with It will Elisha, last until chapter 8. So yes, it's going to keep going. We're, we're not going to hear about an end of this until that's we get to. The or we, we, we could kind of say seven, but right? right. But yeah, that's the context we're going with. We're, we're still going to be able to be in it for a while. But during this whole time, Elisha's ministry is going on. And Elisha is the one who, right here, God is proving he will use to provide food for those who are with and under Elisha's care. Right. If you're with and under Elisha, then the famine doesn't mean anything to you. Right. You're still fed. You're still fed. But okay. All around you is death. Um, yeah, all around you is death. So, Which, and during this time, even he sends his here. He's sending out his sons of the prophets, his little school that hovers around him and with him, to go out and get his a big student. As student it were. Yeah, his disciples is what we should be seeing. Um, absolutely right. Um, to go out and get stew ingredients, we'll make a big stew and everybody can eat. And put on the pot, we're going to eat tonight. And everybody had to be, you know, maybe there were some people who were thinking who hadn't been there long ago, like, I'm not so sure about that, but we'll see, what a, yeah, whatever. Uh, and they go out, sure enough, they find some stuff to eat, and some of this stuff, it turns out, as this, it's we wild. have no, nothing, yeah, <laughs> nothing here indicating this, this, uh, disciple is doing anything wrong right by picking what he picks it just says he didn't know exactly what it was it was wild in other words un- uncultivated well he's out in the field and yes. when we see in the field in scripture, in scripture it's out in the world you're out in the world you are in the wide world things aren't cultivated in a nice little garden this is where right. you get out among the wide right. world and you don't know what you might discover so uh, it's wild so, yep wild but it has these gourds on it and they look pretty good so that looks like stew filler to me. It says wild twice in that uh-huh. uh, sentence. Yep. So. Wild vine and wild gourd. Yeah. Yes, this is definitely wild, definitely uncultivated, definitely they not sure what, what I'm getting into here. But that looks like something edible and probably good in the stew. So he takes a bunch and he fills, fills his, uh, you know, fills his arms with wild gourds um, and brings them back home. And this is organic. Starts them into the pot. Yeah. <laughs> This is organic as it gets, right yeah. here, yeah. Um, and so starts cutting them up into the pot. When they start eating it, though, they immediately realize this is poisonous or whatever. Something yeah. about it. Maybe it did just taste dry. bad, but I think there's a reason it says death. It could easily be also, you know, we're just not given the information. Right. Like you're saying, it could easily be that that we're we're actually we've got a 30 minute time lapse here where somebody has started. Vomiting profusely. Yeah. Who knows what's happening now? But they're all becoming aware. This is bad. Well, if you've we watched alone, bad. yeah. Know, if you've ever happen. watched alone, yeah, <laughs> you know this is a possibility. Yeah. Um, and so, I think that I think that may go with what we're saying here. Absolutely, that we're talking about more than just taste bad. We're talking about oh my goodness, I'm afraid we're about to die. Yeah. This could have caused our death. This could be the end of us. And so they're screaming out to help. Elisha, you're the only one who could possibly help us in this situation. Please help us. There's death in this pot. And then what a strange thing for him to say. Okay, well, bring some flour. 
yeah, so bring me some flour slash meal. Um, the same thing, same word that gets right. used in Elijah, Elijah's little story when he helps out the right. widow in person. It's used here, it's used there, and it's used one other time, uh, a third place, a third story uh, in Kings whenever Solomon was talking about how much flour he used to feed his people, the people under his care per day. So it's these three places that it gets used. So here, little, uh, all he seems to be asking for is a little bit of flour, kind of a handful of flour kind of thing, not much. Kind of the same thing that the woman had a little bit each yes. day. It was all only a little bit, and it kept being a little bit, but it was enough to, to sustain it. Here, Elisha is going to use a little bit. He's going to throw it into the pot. They bring him some flour, he throws it into the pot, and miraculously, everything turns around. It is now not just fit to eat, but apparently very nourishing. Give everybody all they want, um, is basically what he says. And, uh, and Which sounds a lot like do. the story in chapter 2. Um, See, verse 19 and following where mm -hmm. the water wasn't good yes yes and it they does. couldn't drink it and unusable he, water he had him bring him some salt and threw it in threw it in threw the salt in and it healed the water and yeah. they could drink yeah so it's the same kind of you know it's similar yeah well it's this flower without question is connected to the idea of bread right no question about it it's bread well, we know bread throughout scripture. I mean, Jesus told us what it is. It's the very word of God. You know, it's, man can't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from it. It gets tied to God's word, or it gets intimately tied to God's word. That's what it is. He's the bread of life. He's also the word of God that walks among us. Jesus is. So when bread gets thrown into that which is wild and unusable and even poisonous, turns out it can make it perfect and edible and miraculously better. So I think that's what we see. What we see, if what we're seeing in Elisha's time is a post-resurrection, post-ascension time when the people know that there is a, that the powers that be are not here for long. They are already condemned. They're already going down. Um, 70 AD is on the way. But this is a church time. Now the church is growing in the midst of a dead uh, government um, around them. Exactly. The church is growing Same. and developing, and they are eating the bread provided by God, and even the wild things that they eat, the things out in the larger world. Now they're entering the Gentile world. That's what they're doing. That's what the church is doing in Acts. Entering the Gentile world, and all foods have been pronounced clean by Jesus. They're eating things they've never eaten before, which is a symbol, Acts 13. Which they uh, thought Acts, would bring them death. That's right. Absolutely. Yes. yes, and it is a symbol, Acts chapter 10, of their needing to go into the Gentile world and receive Gentiles. That's what the whole food thing is about, and, and they're starting to see that, understand that. So here, to have in Elisha's time, a food issue that relates to what would have been death before, but now is not going to cause death because you have the very bread, flour, that is provided by God to put into that which would cause death before, which, which now erases, it's now, Jesus erases all, there's no Jews or Gentiles. That's right. The Gentiles did, don't have so. to stay dead now. The things in the wide world don't cause death or, or don't have to stay dead, whatever you want to say. They can be used for, they can be transformed to make Jesus. a flourishing world. Yep. Absolutely. Which is interesting, the placement of this story as you're talking about that, because it's going to be right before it. 
we'll get to chapter five and talk about the Naaman story. Yes, where we're we going to where see. a Gentile is going to. Ah, this yeah. is so, so oh, you're right. I can't, I don't want to give any spoilers, but oh, um, yeah. So much but, coming. But it, that's really interesting placement. Yeah. And I think absolutely apropos, you're right. Great point. Oh, there's so much more yeah. that we've talked about, uh, you and I, about this passage. Yeah. But I guess we need to move on to the next part. Right. Probably, but, but just remember, when we're reading it, we're reading, as you're reading it, you're reading, if Elijah's time is basically pre and then the time of Jesus, pre-Jesus leading up to the time of Jesus, and then his defeat over all the evil that there is, 850 male prophets kind of symbolizes that he was defeating all evil and then goes into a hole in the ground on Horeb and talks to God and then comes out of the hole in the ground and anoints his successor and then ascends to heaven in front of him. That's the whole Jesus story. And then we have the Elisha story again, which is now the time of the church. Yes. So now we're walking through that and we're watching as all these things happen that are very much the community of God is being formed and nourished and cared for even in the midst of a world around them that's dead and, and experiencing going away. famine. Which yeah. famine is always going to also represent a famine of the word. The famine of the word. So of the word, absolutely. Here he's putting the word eight. back into this plot. So yeah. Correct. Okay, well then let's jump into the next story, which is also an eating story. And we'll go through uh, chapter 4 again, verse 42 through 44. Okay. A man came from Baal Shalishah bringing the man of God bread of the first fruits, twenty loaves of barley, and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elisha said, Give to the men that they may eat. But his servant said, How can I set this before a hundred men? So he repeated, Give them to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left. So he set it before them, and they ate and had some left, according to the word of the Lord. This is another, like we just said, another eating story, and we're getting another kind of view into what's happening with Elisha's ministry, how it works, and what it is that people think of him. That's really coming out hard here. You may not see it when we first look at it, but it's straight on the top, because here we are in verse 42, when we enter into this section, again, seeming very episodic. Now we're jumping to another moment whenever Elisha did something miraculous. Um, but it's not tied in our whole eating thing that we have in these two short stories. Um, the it's man in bread. verse 42, yeah. yep. The man in verse 42 comes from, like you said, Baal Shalishah, bringing the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. Okay, now the bread of the first fruits offering can be seen in Leviticus 2, 12 through 16. And it's clearly supposed to be taken to the place of worship for Yahweh. Right. You offer it to Yahweh. That's what right. you do. Which has been we we know that taken that's away. been completely right. messed with by yep yeah, um, the northern kingdom won't you doesn't even want to allow people to go down to Judah to do their worship at the temple. 
And if you are going to worship Yahweh in the northern kingdom, you worship him at one of the golden calves that have been set up in in either the southern part of the northern kingdom or Dan, the very northern part of the northern kingdom. Ephraim or Dan. You have to go to those places. You can worship what's called Yahweh at his little where the golden, the golden calf. calf. Right. Yeah, is where that. So that would be not acceptable to some people. There's right. some people out there who would have enough forethought to be like, no way I'm, am I participating in that. And they're not being allowed to enter into the southern kingdom to go to Jerusalem. Right, exactly. Um, and so that's they don't want them to, for sure. They're doing everything they can to stop that from happening. So this man instead brings his offering directly to Elisha. Whatever it is in Elisha that he sees is enough to make him say, okay, Yahweh's at work in him for sure. But what is the temple? The temple is where the presence of God dwells. Right. And so somehow this man sees the presence of God is dwelling in Elisha. In Elisha. He's actually in and with Elisha. I think you're right. And I think that's what the Shunammite woman saw too. Mm -hmm. Where Mm -hmm. I don't know if we talked about this before, but about how what the place she made for him to stay in her house. Oh yeah, but I was just going to say about how Elisha is kind of as we're going along here, we're seeing him uh, being almost uh, pictured as a portable temple. Right. Yeah. He is the presence of God is so powerful on him. He's it's as if it's as if he's a walking temple because the presence of God dwells on in him, on slash in him. Which is what we are. And that's what we are. It tells he's us an in early scripture that we are the, church. the temple. Yes, absolutely. Yet God's he presence goes with us wherever we go, and therefore we are the temple of God. When people, yes, come into God's church, which is really only people, that's all it's made up of, when you come into his church in the presence of his people, you've entered into his temple, his dwelling place. Um, and you too could be a part of that. Um, anyway, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. This is really just a picture of where God is headed. Uh, the the transition that God wants his people to understand and make uh, as they come closer to him. And Elisha is our early picture of God's post-resurrection church and uh, and so God's powerful presence resides on him and this man apparently who has his offering to make in some way I don't know how much who knows but he has some inkling that by bringing this offering to Elisha he is actually bringing it to Yahweh right and so that's what he does. He takes his first fruits offering of his bread and goes to Yahweh with it, or goes to Elisha with it, and gives it to him. And, and I, Elisha doesn't doesn't have no. any rebuke at all for it. No. He completely accepts. This seems like to be a good idea to him. So Way we're going to go. feed everybody here with this. Yes, that's small th- amount. I mean, it's probably like you said, twenty loaves of barley. It's not like. We think of loaves. Right. They're little rolls. Yeah. Kind of. Yes, and like a roll. Kind of like a, what we would call a roll for one person. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what these loaves are. So the idea of feeding a hundred people with this is ridiculous. hundred men. Right. And matter. having some left. And having some left. Yeah. And having some left. Um, so seems ridiculous. Now, there's no way for our minds to read this. If we're Bible readers at all, we've been reading any time at all. There's no way for us to read this story without hearing something else. 
too. So something that's going to happen in the future. And that is clearly the feeding of the 5,000 and 4,000 that are coming to meet with the Gospels. Right, right. Um, this sounds so There's no way like not that. to hear that, right. Only when Jesus comes, it'll be a much greater amount of people and even less food that he uses to do it. Um, but here we're having a precursor. Here we're having a type. That's all Elisha is. Elisha's a type of the one to come who we're really looking for. And Elisha is... Um, and you're gonna if you're if you're out there asking me, wait, you said Elisha was the type of the church. Yes, it is. He is. He is type of both church and Christ. Guess what? We, the church, are the body of Christ walking in the world. The church fathers would have said, you can you you are not gonna read a story where you're not gonna see one without seeing the other, because they're married. That's how God's done. You shouldn't this. see one without we, the other. Exactly. When we see Christ doing things, we should be about those things. We should. We're also reading stories about what His church is supposed to do, what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to act. So we see Elisha here, and he takes these loaves and he distributes them the to, yes, gives them to the servant, until the they're the ones who have to distribute. The servant's the one who has to distribute them among the men. He's given the bread to the servant, and the servant gives it to the hundred, and. This is what Jesus does. Jesus breaks his bread, breaks bread, and puts it in the hands of his servants, closest servants, the disciples. And then they, in turn, are the ones who are going to distribute it among the 5,000 and the 4,000. This is speaking very loudly to who we're supposed to be uh, as people of God um, that we receive from, we have received from him the bread that he gives, which is himself life that comes by knowing him and comes from eating him, which is feeding on the word of God, which he is the word of God, um, and all about him. And so we, we feed on him and then we take our, what leftovers turns out the more we eat of him, the more we have to share. That's the great part about the leftovers. The more you eat of the bread, the more you have to give to others. And it continues to work that way throughout history. Uh, and, and I think the surplus here just is so, it's beautiful because it is during a famine. Mm-hmm. Who right. would think that, and actually in the time of Jesus, there was a famine of the word mm-hmm. as well. Yes. So we can't, you know, separate those two, mm-hmm. but the fact that there is a surplus and that yeah. God is providing not just this little bit, Right. But more than they need, which yes. is very different than Elijah did with the widow. Very different from the widow, right? Uh, they had enough also, to sustain them. But so much more like what Elisha did with the widow's oil in the first part of this chapter. Yes. That it was abundance. Right. Just kept so flowing, flowing, flowing. Abundance here. Yep. Yep. Story. So he's, again, he's bringing life out of death. Yes these stories are very connected yeah. in that and I think also in the flour and the bread um, this is flour absolutely yeah, they're connected. Uh, yes I think so too this is a bread connection and it's not just read, a hunger eating whatever connection bread connection right. yeah and if you read in the Leviticus passage it talks about the priest taking a handful of fine flour <laughs> with oil, and oil with yep. its frankincense and burning it up at the uh, altar. So, so it's Elisha, almost like Elisha uh, here is that takes what's a handful. Up here? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but he takes a handful of flour and throws it. It's like he's making an offering to God out of it. It's yes. like he's he's you choosing to make an offering to God out of it, which is what makes it holy, which is what makes all good. Pretty crazy. Yeah, this is amazing. Um, so that's what we're seeing here in these two little episodes uh, that we're seeing where where Elisha does something. What again? If you just read over them, okay, Elisha did something neat. Look, he made he made them be able to eat something they weren't able to eat before, or he made something go further than he would have thought it would be able to go. If we just leave it there, though, we have missed the big, big thing that's happening here, which is a pointer to Christ. Jesus. Who so made all much. foods clean? Yes. Who um, fed? Continues to feed the masses. Any of the masses to come? Yes thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions um, because and there will always be more left over uh, this what this is about and it's this just a precursor it's just the thing that makes us look for the great one will come so everything talks about Christ everything I don't know how we feel about that there's nothing that isn't a point of that so man great to share with y'all so glad that we could walk through these two stories with you Gina has already kind of highlighted a little bit where we're going next time. I'm excited about this next story. It's so Truly awesome. Exciting. Yes. It, I mean, it's really a big story for mm-hmm. us to cover, cover here. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. Okay. We are great. It's been great to talk to you. Great to uh, be with you. Hope you keep reading this. Stay in it. Stay in the Word. Get as much as you can from it. Just let God open up all the little pieces to it because um, they are just abundant flowing and flowing. So we will talk to you soon. We hope you have a great few days. God bless everybody.